The scripture lesson today is Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with verses 13, ending in verse 20. The title of the sermon is HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Before I begin the sermon today, I want to uh, celebrate. Uh, yesterday we had uh, MTSU pancake breakfast, and thank you all. Many of you were there and supporting the Wesley Foundation. But our very own Reverend Martha won the breakfast battle for best overall dish. And what that says to me is that if you can't be fed by my preaching, maybe you could fix for 400 next Sunday, right? Um, Anyway, thank you all for coming out and supporting MTSU Wesley Foundation, our campus ministry presence at Middle Tennessee State University. And thanks, Reverend Martha, for representing our church well. Two years in a row, we've We've uh, taken home. There may be somebody called First Methodist Church in town, but we're first when it comes to the breakfast battle. (laughs) So. Okay, what's up with this title of the sermon today? I mean, it looks like something out of a chemistry textbook or maybe some sort of cryptic algebraic expression or equation, but it really comes straight from the text today from Matthew, the fifth chapter. And specifically, it comes from the two elements that Jesus uses as an illustration, salt and light. You may have heard by now that on Wednesday evenings, I've been asked to lead a a small group. And what we've been doing in that small group study is we've actually begun looking at some of the texts that I'll be preaching from in the upcoming weeks. And I'm just curious to hear what people like you have to say. What are your questions? What are your comments? What are your concerns about the biblical text? And I want to make sure that when I stand before you and preach on Sunday mornings that I'm actually preaching about things, about comments and questions and concerns that you might have of the text yourself. And so this past Wednesday evening, as we were sort of in between flash floods and tornado warnings, we were diving in to this particular text in Matthew's Gospel. And I began the class by asking them, what do you know about salt? What's salt used for? What does it do? That sort of thing. Now, I expected that somebody would say, well, salt gives us high blood pressure, but Nobody said that, so either it wasn't an issue or we're just all in denial about how salt can increase our blood pressure. But the the group did have a lot of interesting comments and observations about salt, many of which that I hadn't even thought about. One of the things that got mentioned was that salt creates buoyancy, just like what Miss Nancy's children's sermon was about today. That if you take salt and you put it in water and you dissolve it in water, the ions from that salt become dense and they actually fill in around the water molecules that exist in that glass of water and it makes it more dense and it lifts things up. Uh, For those of you who'd like another just illustration, it's sort of like if you've got a, um, a, a, a 
canister of rocks here. It's like pouring sand in. The sand just sort of fills in around the rocks. And those ions of salt fill in around the water molecules. And it actually makes things denser. And so if you've ever been someplace like the Dead Sea, you know what I'm talking about. It's this sense of which there's so much salt in the water that when you get in it, effortlessly you begin to float to the top. So there is a sense in which this salt creates this buoyancy, and that's one of the things that we learn uh, about what salt can do. Well, some other people mentioned some other things about salt. Salt uh, creates thirst. It makes us thirsty. It's why they put pretzels and peanuts in bars and pubs, because they want you to eat that stuff so that you'll drink more beer. At least that's what Jim Clardy told me. I don't know anything. I know nothing about that, but Jim seems to think that that's true. Um, um, another thing that salt, uh, about salt that I learned on Wednesday night is that uh, salt in, in ancient times was a, was a form of commerce. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was used to buy things. Apparently, before industrialization, it was so expensive and labor-intensive to get salt that if you had it, it was worth a lot of money. And so people would trade and barter in ancient Rome using salt itself. Another thing that uh, salt is known for is that it enhances the flavor of whatever it touches. I mean, if you've ever had a meal that was sort of bland, it was missing something, even if you just added a little bit of salt, it would make that bland meal so much better. Salt enhances the flavor of whatever it touches. Another thing that we learned about salt in our conversation on Wednesday night is that it has healing properties. Uh, for, uh, is, for centuries, people have been widely known and celebrated the medicinal purposes of salt. In fact, if you go on the WebMD website, I went there this week, there was one article that said that there are 13 different ways that salt either reduces pain or promotes healing in our bodies. And so whether you've got an ingrown toenail or some nasal congestion or whether you've got a sore foot, that salt has medicinal qualities when it's used. And so you can use those salt to make yourself feel better. Salt also helps our bodies. And we need a certain amount of salt in our bodies because it helps us to maintain the proper balance. You have to have the right amount of fluid and the right amount of sodium for your heart to work well, for your liver to work well, for your kidneys to work well. And so there is a sense in which salt can create more of a balance. Another thing that salt does is that it preserves. It, it slows down decay. Now, we don't think about that as much anymore, but before the age of refrigerators, it was common practice to use salt to keep food from spoiling. Now, you don't see this anymore, but when I was a child, when you would walk into Johnson's Food Town in the small town in which I was raised, there would be this area of the store that would have these big, huge slabs of meat just hanging down there, not refrigerated at all. 
I couldn't figure it out because my mother would yell at me every time I didn't put the ham back in the refrigerator after I made myself a sandwich, and yet this meat could hang out in the open air and be just fine. And I learned why. It's because it was covered with salt. And the salt on that meat helped to preserve it, helped to keep it from spoiling. It slowed down the decay of that meat. I don't know if you knew this, but in the Bible, there are several scriptures in the book of Numbers and in the book of Judges that talks about that salt was often used to demonstrate or symbolize a covenant of friendship. And in fact, if you were friends with someone, according to Scripture, you would oftentimes give them some salt. And so, even in the early biblical days, there was this sacred essence that salt was often used for. Um, One final thing I'd say about salt is a little goes a long way. That's important. I don't want you to start getting that high blood pressure and blame the preacher and Jesus for saying we're supposed to be salt. A little goes a long way. So, as we were talking about all these ideas about salt on Wednesday night, I asked the group, I said, which one of these do you think Jesus was talking about when he said that you are the salt of the earth? And the short answer is, we don't know. The longer answer is, Jesus was probably thinking about all of these things when he was telling the disciples then and we disciples now that we are to be the salt of the earth. He probably had all of these things in mind. You know, the world we live in is... is, is, is always tossing and turning and it's chaotic and there are waves and there are people who are struggling to to stay above the water, the, the proverbial water. And so if we could be salt, as Jesus said, we could be a sense of increasing the buoyancy in people's lives, helping them to stay afloat when they think that the waters are about to overtake them. Just think if we allowed salt, we being salt, if it impacted the way we were in business relationships with people, the way we bartered and traded, if we were seeking to be salt and and, and something so expensive and and something so important and so vital uh, in the business relationships in biblical times, what if we were that kind of salt in, in our professional lives today? What if... Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth because he wanted us to create thirst in other people. What if he really wanted us to so live our lives that when other people were around us, it created in them a thirst. They wanted what we had, what we possess, the faith that we embrace. What if that's what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt in the earth? Uh, what if it, it increases the balance in the world, like, like what we were talking about in our bodies? What if, if we were being salt, it was a way of helping people to maintain a proper balance in their lives? What if when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he wanted us to be an agent of healing? If he wanted us to see the wounds and the hurts and the scars of other people and and to, in contact with them, 
bring about a sense of healing in their lives? What if Jesus wanted to use us for that end? What if Jesus wanted us to enhance the flavor in the lives of every person that we touch? What if Jesus wanted us in our relationships to, to just bring something into those relationships that, that, that people wanted that on themselves and in their own lives? And what if when Jesus said you are to be the salt of the earth, that Jesus really wanted us to be concerned about ways in which we could slow down the decay of our society and our world. If we could preserve what is right and what is true and what is good, uh, and that being the good news of God's love for all of us, what if we could be that kind of preservative for the world? And what if when Jesus was talking about us being the salt of the earth, that he meant that when we enter into relationships with others and in covenants with others, that it, that it truly be about friendship and, that, and the way that God loves us, we would seek to love other people. What if that's what Jesus meant when he told us that you are the salt of the earth? And to go back to what I said, remember, a little salt goes a long way. I think Jesus would want us to know as we're seeking to enhance the lives and the flavor of other people's lives and preserve against decay and to heal and all that things that we don't overdo it. Because if you start being putting too much salt out there, you're going to turn people away. You're going to offend them and so a little dab will do you a little salt goes a long long way what if Jesus would like for us to remember that when he talks about you are the salt of the earth and then there's another element that that Jesus used in his text today light I asked the class on Wednesday night the same question what do you know about light what does light do how is light used and again they started coming up with all sorts of different things that I didn't really hadn't really thought about the first one is that light can be a source of comfort have you ever thought about that have you ever been in a place that was unfamiliar or or really really dark and then all of a sudden the night light came on or or you could you found a little bit of light somewhere and it really can be a sense and a source of comfort in people's lives. Well, light also draws other things to it, doesn't it? You, you ever left your light on at night and then all of a sudden you look out there and every moth in the neighborhood is flying around your, your light? I hope it wasn't that blue light, you know, because that thing can end badly for some people. But light draws people to it and it draws animals and insects to it. And so that's something to keep in mind about light. Another thing about light is that we actually believe that it has healing powers uh, in, in our world today. Uh, there are all sorts of light therapy uh, conversations going on and how if we uh, adjust the wavelengths of light that it can actually affect people's moods and their concentration levels and even their appetites. Who wants to find that light to help us lose weight? Sign us up. Light has the ability to do that. And so that's why when you go to the store today to buy a light bulb, you have choices because we know that the choices that we make and the kind of light that we use has an impact on us. We also know that these wavelengths are being used to treat of light are being used to treat skin and eye problems. And so there is a sense in which it has um, a good 
um, healing effect. Light also reflects, you know, rainbows or simply light being reflected and refracted through water droplets. And, and so light has a way of, of, of multicolors and it reflects uh, onto other things. Light warms. Light warms us. Uh, the sun uh, puts off light, and as that light travels to earth, it transforms into energy so that whatever it touches begins to have heat. And so light has a warming quality to it. And perhaps the most obvious thing about light, light helps us to see things as they really are. The light lets us be able to see what's really going on around us, what is really near us. That's some of the qualities of light. And so, again, I ask the group, which of these qualities do you think Jesus had in mind when he said that you are to be the light of the world? And I suspect that Jesus probably had all of these things in mind. That we are supposed to be the light of the world. It means that we're supposed to be a source of comfort for other people when they're experiencing darkness. Just a glimmer of light would help them uh, in the midst of their darkness. What if when Jesus said that you are supposed to be the light of the world, he meant that we're really supposed to be agents of healing, that, that God seeks to use us to be a source of healing in someone's life and someone's woundedness? What if when Jesus said you are to be the light of the world, Jesus really did want us to reflect that light into the world, a light that reflects so many beautiful colors, a light that, that highlights the diversity of God's creation, not only in the colors of the rainbow, but in the kinds of people that are all around us. What if that kind of light was to celebrate that diversity and the beauty of that diversity? What if that's what Jesus meant when he said, you are to be the light of the world? And what if Jesus said that because we're supposed to be a source of warmth for other people? What if we so shined our lights that other people could not help but be warmed by the light of Christ that is in and working through us as we are in relationship with other people? What if we, as the light of Christ, Jesus meant that we are supposed to help people see things as they really are, that God loves us, that God's truth is available to us, and that God desires to be in right relationship with us. What if we, being the light of Christ, meant that we were supposed to help the world see things as they really, really are in the eyes of God? Well, it occurs to me that I've rambled enough. I'm not even going to get to be start the second half of the sermon this morning because I've still got to explain that crazy title that I came up with to start the service. What in the world does that mean? HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Well, I'll tell you, several years ago I read a book that I still maintain is probably one of the most helpful books that I've ever read about how to effectively share my faith as a Christian disciple. And uh, the book was called Becoming a Contagious Christian. 
And, and what I loved about the book is that it sort of helped me to understand the most effective way that I might be able to share the good news of God's love with the world. And it also created a space for those who may be wired differently to me to find their own authentic and effective voice for being able to share the good news of God's great love. And in that book, the author talked in one of the chapters about salt and about light. And he said this about salt. He said, the way for salt, the only way that salt is effective is and does what it is supposed to do is first of all, it must be highly potent. If, if, if salt has lost its saltiness, it's not salt anymore. It's not going to help enhance the flavor of your food. It's not going to do all of the other things that I talked about earlier in the sermon. For salt to be salt and do what it's supposed to do, it has to be highly potent. And we have to be that way in sharing our faith. We have to have this spice. We have to have, uh, we have, to have had our own lives enhanced by the flavor of Christ. And, and so we must be highly potent if we're going to be able to uh, share God's love with other people. The second thing about salt for it to be effective, not only does it have to be highly potent, but it has to be in close proximity Salt does you no good if you just leave it in the shaker on the table. It will not make your food taste better unless you pick up the shaker and you put the salt on the food. It has to be in close proximity to the food to enhance the flavor. And in the same way, if we are going to be salt in our world, we have to be in close proximity with people who might very well benefit from being uh, touched by salt. We have to be in relationship with people who might want or need to hear about the good news of God's love. We can't just surround ourselves with people who believe what we believe and and live like we live. We have to be in relationship with people who need this salt and light in their own lives like we need that salt and light in our own lives. And then the CC, so that's a... CP is close proximity. The CC is clear communication. If light really does help us to see things as they really are, and if we are the light of Christ to the world, then we must be able to clearly communicate what it means for us to be in relationship with Jesus. And we have to be able to clearly communicate uh, God's love and God's truth to other people people and so if we are highly potent people and if we are in close proximity with other people and we uh, are clearly communicating like the light does then we will have the maximum impact in our world we will be salt and light and other people will want this salt and light for themselves now the last thing i would say is that Jesus didn't say, if you read your Bible more, if you do this and you do that, you will be salt or you will be light. Jesus said, you are salt. You are light. You possess right now everything that you need and everything that the world needs to communicate the good news of God's love to people who desperately need to hear it so that they might come to know the joy 
that we know as believers. And I encourage you to seize that opportunity. You are salt. You are light. 